Hello and welcome to Season of the Bitch, the leftist feminist podcast that's here for revolutionary romance and sometimes revenge. Today we have Zoe, Laura, Ambria, Hope, and Kellen. Damn. We have almost a full house, but this is, this is a lot. Yeah. Um, Love to see it. Great, great turnout guys. (laughs) One of my hobbies is reading our iTunes reviews. By the way, we have five stars, which is great. Um, Yeah. Good job. Everyone leaving us really good reviews because we have no flaws. Um, but I did come across this really <laughs> fun, <so> accurate. <laughs> this really fun review from August, um, written by Zach RL, and he said, "If we don't support SOB, then all of the hosts will start dating each other." <laughs> Too late. Too late, baby. <laughs> Too late. We're all because you support baby, all of this us. Is a we're gonna be able to go see Alanis Morissette on her reunion tour. Ah! Jagged little pill. It's <laughs> perfect. Yeah, we'll all get to actually go on a date in real life instead of having talking to each other dates on microphones. Exactly. Speaking That's- of romance, speaking <laughs> of romance, thank you so much, Ambria. Great transition. Um, <laughs> once again, uh, no one has asked, but we have answered. Just kidding. Actually, this time, a lot of people did ask for our advice on your dating lives, and we hope to live up to your expectations. Um, don't forget, as we said on our last episode, that Season of the Bitch is not liable for any broken hearts. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, Sorry. However, we would gladly take credit for any success that comes out of this. So please uh, let us know. DM us back if anything we said is actually helpful. We'd love to know. Um, Now, before you ask, hey, this is a political podcast. Why are you doing an episode about dating? Well, the personal is political, and we're here to discuss your personal lives. Also, all of our listeners are like the hottest fucking socialist feminists ever and deserve to have happy, healthy, romantic or sexual lives or whatever you want and we're here to try to help you with that yep <laughs> also we do whatever we want yes so there's we can't that be put in a box it's true Mm-mm. also we just want to thank everyone that sent us questions some of them were very vulnerable and we appreciate you being open with us and um hopefully we're able to deliver on what you're looking for <laughs> i um did want to add that uh we did get a message from somebody who asked a question last time um oh. and that person is now dating the person <gasps> oh that my they god asked we're geniuses us. wait yes. what we yes. did it we, we did, did it. it congratulations to ourselves holy wow. shit yeah good job us um, so i'm happy <laughs> Um, I thought we could start off by just reading some fun, horny uh, quotes from leftists to to get us in the mood. Hell yeah. Um, hearing you say that makes me think about the phrase horny on Maine, which is one of my favorites <laughs> ever. Uh, that's so great. So here's the quote I chose. Um, it's a Cardi B quote. And she said, once a guy has sex with you more than five times, he loves you. That's true. Chills. Yep. Chills. We believe that. <laughs> there's uh there's no no context to this. It's uh five is a really strange number. It's a great quote. That's it. Thank you, Cardi. Okay. Whether love lasts but one brief span of time or for eternity, it is the only creative, inspiring, elevating basis for a new race, a new world. That was Emma Goldman. It doesn't sound that horny to me. I don't endorse. <laughs> Emma is like, a, like she's horny she's like, for love. love. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. Which is how I described Laura the other day. <laughs> I stand Emma Goldman in the sense, but I'm sorry, Ambria, for putting that quote to you because clearly you did not care about it. <laughs> it's okay. I'm just like, love? What? It's not gonna... 
I okay, like but it. who wins in a fight? The Cardi B quote or the Emma Goldman quote? I mean, Cardi B. Oh, the Cardi... I mean, if it's a fight. Yeah. <laughs> the Cardi B one has more of a fighting spirit. Yes. But Emma uh, wins last, but in eternity. So, you know. It's true. <laughs> Emma Goldman also kind of just has more persuasion going for hers. I feel like Cardi B's, I'm kind of like, nah, is that true? <laughs> right. So our our next one is from Frida Kahlo. Um, I'm going to go ahead and alter it a little bit. I'm going to change the pronouns from he, him to she, her, because it will hurt me less to read it that way. Yes. Um, and frankly, I do think that queer icon Frida Kahlo would be okay with me doing this. Yes. So here it is. You deserve a lover who makes you feel safe, who can consume this whole world if she walks hand in hand with you. Someone who believes that her embraces are a perfect match with your skin. You deserve a lover who wants to dance with you, who goes to paradise every time she looks into your eyes and never gets tired of studying your expressions. You deserve a lover who listens when you sing, who supports you when you feel shame and respects your freedom, who flies with you and isn't afraid to fall. You deserve a lover who takes away the lies and brings you hope, coffee, and poetry. Damn. Beautiful. Truly beautiful. We love you, Frida. That's pretty cute. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. I feel like Kellen just serenaded all of us. Yeah, I'm like, ooh. <laughs> I was like swooning. I'm like, well, Kellen, you have poetry. Is there coffee as well? Yeah, I've always got coffee, and this call has hope on it, so we're yes. good to go. Yes. <laughs> I think we saved the um, the absolute worst quote for last. So. Yes. So, and of course, I volunteered as tribute. It's fine. Uh, this is from Trotsky, and we, we, it's like a proto-sext, um. Also known as a letter. <laughs> also known as a letter, but like. But a proto-sext, to be sure. Like, let's be clear that what I'm about to say is, like, not okay, unless you really have consent from the person. But yeah, this is Trotsky's sex to Natalia Sadova. <clears throat> Since I arrived here, my poor prick has not once got hard. It's as if it doesn't exist. It, too, is taking a rest after the tension of the past few days. But I myself, all of me, apart from it, am thinking with tenderness about your sweet old cunt. I want to stuff it, to push my tongue right against its depth. Natalala, how do we say this? Natalalaka? Natalalaka? Natalalaka, yeah. the sweetest. I am going to fuck you hard with my tongue and my prick. I'm okay, first of all, right old cunt, I would be offended. What did you say? Mm, good point. Old cunt. Go Why old. did he say you're sweet old cunt? Maybe it's like it's a familiar cunt. Yeah. Or something, you know? Yeah. But I feel like it's new to you every day, sweetie. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm, good yes. Point. Never call a cunt an old cunt. Let's just call it that. Let's just say that as part of our advice to people. This is the worst <laughs> thing that I have ever heard or read. Um, I'm furious that one of our listeners sent this to us and that Zoe added it to our episode document and that Laura made me hear it with my own two ears. I'm uh, not sorry because honestly, I f- find it hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I, I, apart from the old cunt, business it's pretty sexy also because like if a man in his time was ready to do cunnilingus like i feel proud of trotsky in that sense true trotsky knew about a woman's orgasm yeah i am starting to believe that more people knew about this than we've been led to believe right like now men are like oh i don't know we never actually heard of that until. <laughs> yeah, oral uh, sex has been around. A lot of technology. Been, I don't. It's I been don't documented forever. Yeah, like so. You know, in Game of Thrones, when Jon Snow allegedly invented cunnilingus, <laughs> I don't think I. I think everybody was doing it. Yeah, I agree, Kellen. Um, sorry to add this to the doc. I this was added at me on Twitter. Um, and I felt like if I had to see it, everyone had to hear it. So thank you all for coming on this journey with yes. me. And finally, I would like to read a quote from all of our favorite horny leftists. It's me. Yes. 
This is um, from my Twitter archive from May 27th, 2017, as follows. Dating is basically like jumping into a dumpster full of rats and hoping maybe there will be a pizza without mold on it. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, this is from a time in my life when I was in love with a person who continually um, ghosted me. So as you're listening to my advice, you know, keep in mind. I have no fucking idea what I'm doing. No, just kidding. Th- things have gotten better since 2017. Um, but I do stand by this quote. So anyway, without further ado, we can uh, begin to answer all of these questions sent to us. Yeah. So this is a Twitter DM. It says, okay, so my partner, 26 male, Libra son, sometimes mentions little cute things he notices about me that he finds endearing. Some of them I didn't even know I did. For instance, I evidently have two distinct laughs, one that is still a good laugh, but is a more controlled self-aware laugh, and another that happens when I'm caught off guard by something that starts off with a little shriek or yelp. He has assured me that he loves my shrieky laugh, and I just feel bad because I'm bad at noticing subtleties like that. The little cute endearing things about my partner, and it's not that I don't want to see those things, I just never really know what to look for, or they don't stick in my memory long enough to connect like that. Do you guys have any advice for getting better about that sort of thing? I feel like the easy answer is just pay closer attention, you fool. So if that's all there is to it, feel free to not include this question, LMAO. Um, And then also she mentions that she's a 26-year-old woman. Um, Aries. Is that a... Aries. Okay. Um... So I feel weird if I'm dodging the question a little bit, but even though I think your partner is super, super sweet for all of that, and I know not everybody might agree with me about this, but in my mind, it's totally okay to have a different approach to romance than your partner. You know, he notices those things. You don't really, and that's something that makes him a special person. Um, You can instead think about how do you show affection? What do you bring to the table that he doesn't? Um, so you maybe do something special for him, try out a craft he's good at with him and learn more about what he likes and see sort of the things he knows that you don't, um, you know, you can just show him love in a different way than he shows it to you. And that's totally fine. I love that. And while I definitely agree with that advice to kind of like, you know, do you and shine the way that you shine. I'm reading this over again. I think there's some really good stuff to learn here. So when I read this, I hear someone who really appreciates and enjoys something their partner's doing. And maybe it's like, oh, maybe I wonder if I could try to do that, but I'm not really sure how to. And I'm always on team personal growth. So if it's not sticking in your brain the way you'd like, I was thinking maybe try writing down little things in like a small notebook or a phone app when they come to you. And then you could share them in person, write an email or even post-it notes would be super cute Mm -hmm. Um, or like texting in the moment when they come to you. Um, And then lastly, I would say give yourself permission to start really small and work up to bigger things. So there can be a lot of pressure like, oh, my partner is so good at this thing. I have to come out the gate and be just as good as they are. But even like really small progress is a good thing. So just be nice to yourself. The fact that you're asking this says a lot about what a good partner you are. Yeah, <clears throat> I completely agree with all of that. And I think, like, it's hard to notice and verbalize for some people because some people's brains don't work that way. So I would echo what Hope's saying with, like, being soft, but also, like, use the tools that you have at your disposal for trying to step up that game for sure. Do we want to move on to the next question? <laughs> Yeah, I think so. Only if you end every answer with word, like it's a 90s kids TV show. Word, 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 baby. <laughs> bacap, bacap, bacap. Word. All right. This next one was also a Twitter DM situation. It was a multitude of questions. So bear with us on this and we'll try to get through it all. But, um, Question number one was, how many rebounds is too many and how quickly or intensely? Um, (laughs) So that's question one. There's another question that was about, I had to ask for clarification on this second question, but once I asked clarification, the question is essentially like, 
if he gives edits on a published piece, so like a published piece of literature that she's already written, um, is that an automatic no? Um, is that like a yes, big enough red flag? Yes. <laughs> no. Yes. Yeah. No. I, I we'll can't... get to this more, but that's horrible. I got so <laughs> mad. We got that one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that one off. Cross that one off the list. Exactly. Um, how much Taylor Swift is too much? Uh, the, Any. We we recommend you listen to our Taylor Swift episode on Patreon. Um, how quickly to get past a two year long distance relationship without being an a, a, a an absolute asshole? Is it possible to be friends with a straight white guy you've dated who doesn't love Season of the Bitch? No. No. Nope. Uh, And the coup de grace, how much can I sleep around without someone like y'all judging me? Be honest. I know how my friends will feel, but your opinion matters more. I don't like saying the question. (laughs) There is no limit. Let's just be clear on that. Like, there is no... Like, be safe with your body, and so, like, whatever that feels for you in terms of, like, at least for me, like, physical safety and emotional safety is really important, but that's, it varies from person to person, so. As long as you're right. not, like, I wanted having to... sex with people's dads and making them mad, you know? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? What? <laughs> yeah, what? What was that? <laughs> oh, my God. I, I said as long as you're not like sleeping with your friends' dads and like making them mad or something. You no, know? you just said you just said people dads, so don't fuck any dads under any circumstances. Oh, I'm sorry, that's not what I meant. Yeah, you can have sex with people's dads. Just I guess I'm saying it's only if the sleeping around is ruining re- your relationships somehow. <laughs> There is there is a dad in this house who is very sad about this piece of information. I might have just recently watched a uh, a show with some uh, some harmful dad sex. So <laughs> continue. Um, yeah. So obviously, there's a lot to cover uh, in that series of questions. But I mean, I guess everybody's kind of already said this. Uh, the main number one thing I wanted to make sure that we answered is that there's like no amount of sleeping around that we at Season of the Bitch would judge someone for. Um, do I reserve the right to judge you for who you're sleeping with? Like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, even then, I'm only judging if it's like a neo-Nazi or something. And evidently, Ambria is judging if it's a man <laughs> who has fathered children. Uh, Disgusting. As a have as much sex as you want. Like, none of us care. Any friends who are worth having won't care either. Be safe, have fun, and don't sleep with neo-Nazis. And if you sleep with a dad, don't tell Ambria. <laughs> <laughs> I will be so grossed out. <laughs> yeah, I agree with Kellen um, on this one. Also, don't want to get too into my own personal details because earlier today my dad said that this sounded like a really fun episode that he might listen to. Um, so, oh, yeah, you say. Okay. But I will say, Ambria, is, um... Ambria, stay away from her dad. <laughs> it's so hot. Oh, oh my god! Please stop. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. It's totally fine. But like, hi, Dad. Oh, Maybe <laughs> tell anyway. Me, like, um, what I was gonna say was, believe me when I say, who am I to judge anyone else upon the number of people you slept with? And we'll leave that for your own subtle interpretations. Anyway, um, also. The part of the question about the man giving you edits on a published piece, Mm -hmm. I was enraged when I read that. Um, One time, this is slightly different, but this person I was like talking to on Tinder maybe like two years ago asked me to, if they could see like my photography website and I sent it to them and they just responded, I don't like your work. And I was like, all right, bye, I guess. But like also rude so um yeah none of none of otherwise um I would just say live your life and don't be friends with any straight white guy who doesn't love season of the bitch um so just you know don't sleep with neo-nazis don't sleep with condescending editors no one doesn't love the podcast um evidently we're taking on all fathers of the world (laughs) 
But other than that, just do what makes you feel good. I would say the only piece we didn't cover was like how how fast it's okay to move on from something, which like we actually got a couple of different ways from folks. And I think that it just fucking depends. Like I think sometimes it's nice to like move on kind of quickly. I think that it's nice because it feels like the thing that I would warn against is looking at yourself and analyze or like I guess what I would try to do is look for codependent tendencies and make sure that you're not just like going from one codependent situation to another and what I mean by codependent if you haven't heard that word or haven't experienced that type of situation is a type of situation where you feel very affected by everything going on in your partner's life. You feel like you're responsible for things going on with them and that they're responsible for your happiness in some way. Um, I think it's really important to try to find as much as you can a like independent sense of self and sense of happiness and... Um, then like include another person in that and and you could be figuring that out while still having sex with other people but I would recommend not diving into like an emotional um situation if you're not ready to like be independent from them emotionally yeah and I think we do we'll we'll get to that in like more detail with some other questions we have a little later on in the episode too yes shall I read the next one Yes, this is from my best friend's younger sister. Love to see it. Hello. Hi. My boyfriend is a year younger and then redacted. He tends to skip class a lot, which makes me really upset because I personally think it's dumb to skip, even if the notes are all online. Even after promises, he would still skip class and I would still get upset. I have made myself chill out and voice to him that it's disrespectful to his privilege of education. He has gotten better, but it's still an issue. That is for uni student relationship problems, but yeah. And he's only in second year, but still. So question is, when do you take a step back and let him be, even if you think it's a mistake? That was long, but hope it helps. Double smiley face. Yeah. So um, honestly, for this one, I might give an answer that people don't like, but um, I think this dude needs to be able to make his own choices. Like uh, you're this person, you know, who wrote into us is not his parent. It's not generally good in a relationship for one partner to like parent the other one, Um, whether it's like monitoring how much cleaning they're doing or, you know, deciding their diet for them or hounding them to go to class. Like it's generally sort of representative of other issues that are going on in the relationship. Um, And in terms of this situation at hand here, it wasn't super clear to me from the message, like what the actual consequences are of his skipping classes. Like there's nothing in here about it, it hurting his grades from the message that we got. It seems like this person thinks he should just go to class because it's disrespectful not to. Um, but I don't think that like anybody benefits from his going to class except for maybe him in the same way that like, you know, a parent saying to a kid, like you need to eat your broccoli. Um, there's like starving kids in China, which is something I heard as a kid, like, which is why are we focused on China anyway, whatever. But like no child gets a full belly because you do or don't eat your broccoli. And it kind of feels like maybe my reaction to this is a similar thing where it's like nobody benefits from his going to class except for maybe him. Um, And I think there are plenty of reasons for somebody not to take a class seriously in college. Like maybe it's really boring. Maybe the professor sucks. Maybe this guy learns better or at least learns just as well going through the material on his own. And if he can get through a semester and do well and not go to class, then like, why should he go to class? Not every college class is going to like, you know, expand your horizons. I feel like we talk about education as this space where people can learn about the world around them and like broaden their minds and their worldviews. But like a lot of the times that's actually not really what's happening. Um, And there was a point where they mentioned that 
this is an engineering class and I feel like that's especially true in an engineering class. And I'm saying all of this like as a college instructor, I've personally TA'd for a class where I would have like literally advised students not to waste their time showing up if it were something I could have said without getting in trouble like in the context of my job. Um, so I think the person writing in, maybe like my advice would actually would be for them to like kind of look at themselves and ask what's really bothering them here. Like, are they upset about this because it makes them see their boyfriend as lazy? Um, are they upset about it because it's forcing them to think about privilege and grapple with it in a way that makes them uncomfortable? Is this a reflection on some of their values, like education, like a value they put on education for education's sake or a value they put on rule following or authority? And like, does their partner not share those values? It feels like there's maybe something bigger here that needs to get figured out that's not just like this guy isn't going to class. And so I think that trying to figure out what that thing is, like what's really bothering the person who wrote in is what I would suggest. Yeah, I agree in terms of him needing to make his own decisions. Um, and I think that it does sound like there's something probably more deep seated that's happening. One thing that was mentioned was he's a year younger. It's his second year of um college so you know that could be a maturity difference for sure or just a maturity thing in general um and you also mentioned his privilege in being lackadaisical about attending class so as kellen was suggesting it seems like there's something more going on but the class skipping is like this easy kind of not scapegoat per se but this easier thing to talk about and criticize him for than like what you might actually be upset about um, I've definitely dated people who were lazy or lacked ambition, whereas I am someone who like I would definitely consider myself ambitious and like goes after the things that I want. And that can be a really big incompatibility in a relationship. Um, I'm not saying that's necessarily what he's doing. We don't have that much information about him. This is just like one <laughs> guess that I had. Um, but like you're saying that you're you're in college and you're still learning your needs and boundaries in a relationship and like maybe you're learning that that is a deal breaker for you and like, that's okay. And that's something that you are figuring out. Yeah, I think, um, I, I agree with both of you as well. And being somebody who also appreciates an ambitious partner, um, I think, uh, you should ask yourself the question, like, am I asking them to change a behavior to make our relationship better? Or am I asking them to change, themselves. And if you're asking people to change themselves um, and it's not because they're harming you, and even sometimes I think if you're asking someone to change themselves because they're harming you, you really need to rethink the relationship. Um, but I think asking the latter question is, or trying to do the latter thing is always going to be a problem. Like if, if he's not ambitious enough to want to go to class, um, you know, that might just be like the others were saying, uh, a personality di disconnect. I think all that advice is really spot on. And something I wish I had thought about when I was college age is to put that energy I was putting into relationships into myself more. And my mantra is kind of always more like eyes on your own paper. So I think this person should be focusing on their own studies, on their own life and how much ass they're kicking. And either like they'll rub off on their partner um, or they'll probably outgrow their partner if that doesn't happen when the crushing weight of their success is just like too much for that person to bear. And either way, you set yourself up for success. And I think you show a good example. Yeah. And I also just like the last thing I want to add to that is that like. Some people are like mismatched in like how seriously ta they take school, but that doesn't mean that they're like mismatched in other ways. And so maybe you'll find out that like, you know, if you think about this, this isn't actually as big of an as a, a big of a deal as like you're you you know you feel like it is in this moment. I one of you know one of my really good friends in college um, was dating somebody who like I think. And I think a lot of this is also sort of being in a capitalist society that's like really focused on individuals striving for uh, narrowly defined success. Um, but she was dating somebody who like didn't match her in that department. And a lot of people were sort of confused by it. But 
and she did sometimes get frustrated with her partner for not working as hard as she thought he should. But there were so many other things that were going right in their relationship. And it wasn't important to her to have somebody who cared as much about school as she did. She cared a lot about school, but he didn't. And that ended up being totally fine. So I think also just like deciding how much of this, how much of a priority this like really needs to be, because like Ambria said, you know, this probably isn't something that you're going to be able to change or should try to change about this person. Should we move on to the next question? Yeah. Yeah. I've read it and I can also like kind of summarize it because it was kind of long if we wanted to do that. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Okay, cool. So this was also, um, this was an Instagram DM. Um, This person, uh, it's been about a year since she and her ex split up and he was kind of a piece of shit. So he was lying to her about a bunch of things and cheating and using hard drugs with his ex and swiped right on her best friend. Um, And so she broke up with him, obviously. Good job, you, for doing that. Um, But she still hung up on him, which is something that fucking happens. Um, Mm -hmm. And he's moved on in a way that she feels a little hurt by. And um, she essentially just wants our advice because she feels weird that she hasn't moved on yet and it's been a year. But also she... um, has gone on a couple of dates with lefty men and feels like she has a little bit of weakness for lefty men, but also like that they can use their leftism as like an excuse to be grimy in other ways. So, uh, I definitely, one of the things that I would just say to this is, um, I dated someone for almost six years. We broke up a year and a half ago. I am over him, but haven't, like, moved on in a big way that he has. And I think that can feel really, you know, in my, like, more depressed moments, that can feel like some sort of failure, like that he has a new relationship that has been happening for months and that I don't have that. But I think... You know, what I think now and what my therapist has taught me is that there's so much positive stuff that comes after a breakup and like so much self-learning that happens. And I think your gut from what I'm reading in your question is telling you that you are doing the right things and it can feel really frustrating to have these hangups or feel really frustrating to like keep running into a wall like I've gone on like a fucking million dates in the last year and a half and still here I am you know trying to make it happen um but I think it can feel really isolating but I I don't think it's any reflection of you and who you are and I think that it's okay to heal in a different timeline than other people and I think it's really good to also know that you made the right decision by leaving him because he sounds like a fucking asshole (laughs) Yeah, I also wanted to um, just give a little more detail in the second part, um, because I thought that how she worded it was really interesting, which says, side note to the question, I feel like I let my guard down with leftist men, like I think they won't be grimy, and then they end up being so damn grimy. Um, And then she talks about a leftist dude who was really um, boundary probing, and you know, et cetera. So I just wanted to like kind of put some emphasis on that because I, I, there were a lot of questions about like getting over people and moving past things, which I feel like we're definitely going to cover on and off. But I also wanted to focus on this, like, uh, yeah, I think this is really real. I've definitely like talked to other friends about this where it's like, for some reason we expect leftist men to maybe not be as shitty, but they're often just as shitty with boundaries and consent. Um, and I will say that women can be that way too. <laughs> Sorry. Just, I know that yes, we rag on cis men, but I've had a lot of experiences this past year and a half with leftist women who have not listened to my boundaries. Yeah. And it's been really, really hard too, as a feminist to be like, to understand that all genders have the ability to not respect your boundaries. Yeah, I just I also want to add, like, to go back to our previous commentary about not dating neo-Nazis, like, obviously, 
you should have political principles when you date. The personal is political. It's impossible, like not for for those two things not to intertwine. But you can teach like a liberal class analysis, you know, especially if they're not like a billionaire or whatever. If you're dating just like a normal random guy who's a liberal, you can like teach him that capitalism sucks. Probably he like kind of already knows that he just hasn't put words to it. What's harder is like teaching somebody to respect you when they don't know how to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And Mm -hmm. I think that something that gets lost sometimes is like, it's okay to date people who are not totally on your level politically, you know, if they treat you well. And again, I'm not talking about like a Nazi or even like necessarily like a moderate or whatever, like, but somebody whose heart is in the right place, who like, you know, no, like is receptive to learning new things. That's better to to date somebody like that and to like help them evolve politically as a lot of us have evolved politically um, rather than to date somebody who like listens to the right podcasts, but like doesn't respect the word no. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I want to mention something that I noticed here, which is like, you know, I'm, this person saying that they're having trouble moving on in part because, you know, um, they feel like when they date leftist guys, they let their guard down and they get hurt. Um, but I'm also noticing that, you know, yes, you expect a leftist guy to be less oppressive, but it seems like once they show you that they're not good people, you continue dating them. And I think that's where a lot of this fear comes from is that you recognize that you let people treat you badly for too long. And I think that's kind of like the very major heart of the issue here. And I think I want to say this with like the utmost tenderness, because I think especially women can relate um, to that fear. Like I'm always wondering where that line is from like what, I just chalk up to being a human who can make mistakes and what is like crossing the line and treating me poorly and, and someone that I should cut off and never talk to again. Um, But I think, you know, this person who wrote in is making it sound like they feel like they let that boundary get crossed. And I think like recognizing where that's coming from like you know that your boundaries are being crossed over and over and you are still attracted to and wanting to be with that person I think probably you know talking to someone or figuring it out on your own like how do you stop doing that is going to be the biggest thing awesome you guys are all so smart (laughs) um so we got a message from a uh, dear friend um, and it's a list of relationship <laughs> questions that she says she's mostly worked through, but would love our take on. Um, and I'll, I'll go through them, but kind of note when they're ones that we've, we've um, answered already. So one is how important is it to be single for a while after a relationship ends, which is again, a question that we've gotten a couple of times. Um, we're going to get, I guess, There's some other messages from Instagram that I think gave us that same question. Um, Second is, how soon is it appropriate to tell someone you're seeing that you love them if it's true? Three is, have you ever gone from an unstable relationship to a stable one? And what is up with how jarring that feels? Oh, my God. Sorry. (laughs) Too relatable. (laughs) Okay. Continue. And number four, to what extent is it appropriate to ask a new partner to help you with insecurities and other baggage stemming from past relationships? So do you all want to talk about maybe three and four, yeah. unstable relationship to a stable one? And like, is it appropriate to ask a new partner for help with stuff you're carrying from previous relationships? <clears throat> so I, I think I can speak more. I haven't gone from like a bad relationship to a really good one, but I can speak more to the Asking them to help you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I think with relationships that all things are negotiable and better communication just makes everything easier. 
So, and I think this depends on the relationship. So if it were me, I would actually ask my partner about this. I would say, you know, I have some things I'm working through. Here's the ways that I'm trying to work through it on my own. Um, there's some things that you might be able to help me with or that parts of our relationship might help me with, but I want to know what you're comfortable with. And I would just open it up that way. Um, and maybe even also ask your partner if they have anything like that. And so you guys could really kind of negotiate and feel out what everyone's comfortable with. Yeah, I totally second that. I think it's important, like what you were saying, hope communication is so key at the very least, like letting them know where you're at. So if there's like, you know, quote unquote baggage from past relationships, it's probably affecting you and your current relationship. And so at the very least, like it's probably helpful to give your partner like a rundown of, you know, what you're working through. You don't necessarily need all the gory details and then kind of asking them, what are you comfortable with? Like, me telling you about this like maybe they're they like don't really want to hear about your sex life with another person in any great detail like maybe they have a previous history with abuse and are like you know I'm happy to help you work through this but talking about physical violence is gonna really send me in a place and I'd prefer just not to like go into detail about that like you know, without doing the thing that I feel like everybody's talking about on Twitter, which is like, do you have the capacity to talk about something <laughs> that might emotionally harm you right now? Like talking about it like a human being and not a robot from Mars. Like, I think that's really helpful. Yeah, I, um, two things, I guess I do have a, I did go from an unstable to a stable, so I will get to that in a second. But I just want to say, um, Going back to what I was saying about codependent thing, I think it's really important to know what you mean when you're asking for help because I think it's different if you think that someone else can help you fix, like quote unquote fix whatever you're feeling in that way or um, if it's like an ask kind of like Hope was suggesting of being like, hey, um, I am triggered by these things so it would be helpful to me if you spoke in this way or did this thing like I think that that's a different kind of ask but when you say I think that's what you're saying but I just think it's important to like have a therapist and be working through that stuff on your own as well um and then so when I I went from like a very very abusive relationship to a stable relationship um and it it made me feel so confused because I didn't, I feel like when you're, sometimes when you're in like an emotionally unstable relationship or abusive relationship, the highs are much higher than in a stable relationship, even though the lows yeah. are so much lower. Um, and so it can feel like you don't have that big love that you may have had in an unstable relationship. But I think I guess I don't have like full advice other than to say like it's totally normal to notice that and it's totally okay and I would recommend just like being patient with your feelings and knowing that those high highs come at such a cost of often like a really turbulent and scary situation and it's not fucking worth it and it's way way better to have a really good solid um, healthy relationship. Yeah, I just got, oh. Just a really quick note, too. I want to add that um, I I also, this didn't happen to me personally, but I've observed it in other people when going from, especially an abusive relationship to a very stable, supportive relationship is people feeling like they can't criticize anything about their partner because their partner's not abusive. Yes. And putting up with a lot more than maybe... Um, they would if they hadn't just gone from one extreme to another. Um, so I also just want to like reassure people that um, your perspective might be a little skewed going from one to the other and to remember like not to push things down inside yourself just because you're grateful that it's not an abusive relationship. Yeah. And I, I think as somebody who has been in like a very healthy relationship that came after never having been in one before there's a a, sort of the flip side of that same coin Ambria that I think is really good that you mentioned is like carrying an immense amount of guilt for anything that you do wrong Mm. um and feeling like 
you've because you've stumbled on somebody who is so kind and wonderful that like any little thing that you do that might hurt them is like the end of the world and that you're just like a total piece of shit and like you probably kind of already felt like that in an emotionally or other type type of abusive relationship um because that's how any mistake that you made was treated and then to go to somebody who doesn't make you feel that way like you a lot of times I feel like people still put that same pressure on yourself so like also knowing that that you you need to treat yourself with the same kind of kindness that your new partner is treating you with like to extend that kindness that is so shocking and surprising and wonderful to yourself yeah I also just wanted to add on to what Laura was saying because I was like getting like like chills when you were talking about the highs and the lows which I was thinking about earlier today um in context with like my own experiences but it is super jarring and when I started the like stable relationship part of that equation it was something that like we had several conversations about in which I was like I've don't think I've ever been in like a healthy relationship and I'm honestly not even sure what that looks like or like what I want out of that. And I don't really think I've seen that many examples of what I want, like in real life or in, you know, movies or whatever, like none of that is what I want. Um, And I think it can be really hard to navigate because a stable relationship sometimes feels more mundane, but is also way more supportive. Um, And yeah, I just, I just kind of agree with what this question was saying and with what you all have been saying about that. Yes. Um, okay. Do y'all ever struggle not to buy erase yourselves when you're in a straight passing relationship? Um, yes, I did this for so fucking long. Um, I, the best thing I would say is try to go into queer specific spaces as much as possible. Um, because just because you're in a Um, straight presenting relationship does not mean that you are straight and like your bi um, self is valid and I think it can feel really daunting to go into queer spaces because you might think you're not quote-unquote queer enough but I highly recommend going to queer events going to bi specific events um, and finding I don't know if it sorry if it depends on like how you're presenting or anything like that but I have had really bad experiences doing that like going into queer spaces when I was with a male partner and having like women that I was talking to be really mad or accuse me of like just trying to use them. And I wasn't, I was just there like dancing. So I don't know if that's representative or not, but that's my experience. Yeah. I think, um, at least in my city, there are also bi specific events because unfortunately in the queer community, there is just as much biphobia as there is in the straight community as you were just suggesting. So, um, I are do- you saying that there's bias? <laughs> yes. yes, I am. Oh no. I'm, so- I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> All right. That didn't get used on the bi episode. No. No, I was just going to say, um, in the name of time to the person asking this question that we did do like a much more in-depth answer of a similar question. Um, so check that out if that's something that you're struggling with. Mm. Yeah. Listen to our, uh, navigating bisexuality episode. Um, there's lots of great relationship advice there too. Um, the next question is, is there hope I assume that this person is not talking about on our podcast because the answer is yes, obviously. Uh, <laughs> there is. There is. Um, my answer to this was uh, maybe not that exciting, but I think but honest, it's, it's, it's hopeful. Um, there's oh more, more, more in our control than we think. It's <laughs> with some effort and enough time, a degree of success is possible, which is like not an exciting answer, but a true answer. Yeah. Yeah. Word. Next question. How do you approach people? Sorry, just going quick yeah, for time. Yeah. Does someone ask? Okay. How do you approach people slash get to know them after you match on Tinder? Um, my quick answer to this one was 
when I was doing online dating, I had a no pen pals rule. So if like after one or two messages, I felt like this could be interesting. I met people for coffee and that was it. And to me, it was way more efficient because a lot of times you would like message with somebody for a long time and then meet them in person. And it was not how they are representing themselves or there just wasn't a spark. So it was almost like online speed dating, dating. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, I know people that do. I was just going to say, I was kind of the opposite in which I was like, no, I need to like message maybe for like at least a couple of days to like suss this person out because I don't want to like meet a stranger right away but also how I met my current partner was because we matched on tinder messaged a little he stopped responding and then we happened to meet in person and it was weird because it was an accident and it was weird but it worked out um yeah I I also like hope um just like to message a few times like a little bit just like you know ask them a few questions um blah 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 but then I like to just meet them because there was way too many times where I messaged people for like a long time and I was like I convinced myself that I liked them based on our messages Mm. and then I met them and I was like oh no and it's like a really icky feeling to be like oh like I thought I liked them and then I didn't and it's just like um you're both kind of expecting something and especially if like you meet and then he's into it and you're not, or the other person's into it and you're not. It just can be, um, it just feels really bad. <laughs> so I think it's better to just meet in person uh, and see how it feels. And I actually am also currently dating someone that I met on Tinder. So, you know, uh, there's, you never know. Uh, you really, you don't, you don't know. I will just also say that there's like so many memes about lesbians being a million miles away from each other when we date. And that has been so much of, uh, unfortunately, my experience is like these long distance situations, which are so uh, text heavy. Um, And I will, I would echo it. Like, even if you're struggling because you have a small queer community or something like that in your town, like... Um, really try to meet the person in person as soon as possible because it's really hard to tell what the chemistry level is just through talking, even through like Skyping or FaceTiming or anything like that. All right. Quickest way to get over an ex or heal heartbreak. Honestly, I think the answer for me at least is like leaning on friends or family if like that's, you know, a role that they fill for you. Um, I think a big thing is like knowing which friends to lean on for which things. So like for me, I have a friend who I get together with and we just drink wine and listen to Adele and cry. Or we drink champagne and then go to karaoke and sing Adele in a karaoke room by ourselves and cry. I am not ashamed of this. This is a friend that I can go to when I need to just like sob and like have someone hold my hand while I do it and also have them curate a playlist, which is just Adele 21. Um, (laughs) If you have friends that you can talk shit with, like talk shit with them, get yourself a friend who will do random things with you to just get your mind off what happened. Like, Again, I can only speak from personal experience, but after a breakup in high school, um, one of my friends just literally showed up at my house and dragged me to the worst movie I've ever seen, which I believe was the third installment of Twilight. And it made me feel so much better, despite having literally no idea what was happening the entire movie. Um, This is Kristen Stewart erasure. I'm just kidding. She... (laughs) (laughs) Kristen Stewart. God. We love her. She's thrived post-Twilight. She lives her best life when she's not pretending to be in love with a pale man. Okay? Okay. You know what I mean? And it's don't just, we all. Yeah. Truly. Um, so I, I'm, like, emphasizing the friends aspect because I think hooking up and dating can be really complicated after a breakup. But friendship, like, is or, or it should be at least steady and supportive And it's just so good to be around people you love when you've lost somebody else that you've loved. And, like, I would just emphasize, like, don't be afraid to lean on your friends. You know, yeah, it can be, like, scary, um, you know, to ask for help. I have trouble with that. But I also think that, like, 
your friends love you. And especially if you're like, hey, can we just go do this fun thing so I don't have to think about this person I just broke up with? Most friends are going to be like, yeah, I'd love to do a fun thing with you. Let's go. I echo everything that Kellen is saying and also would say if you are a dear friend of someone who is going through this, it is a good time to check in on them and be that person if you have the capacity to. Absolutely. Yeah, and it depends on the person, but I as well am not the kind of person who right after a bad breakup wants to like hook up with people. Um, So it's definitely like a time of like hanging out with friends really heavily um, and just texting them about how horrible everything is uh, and letting yourself talk about it and complain about it, even if you're afraid that people are bored of hearing it. And they probably are. And you know what? They'll get over it. Oh, yeah. It's fine. I can't even tell you how much I've texted everyone on this call about my breakup. So it's fine. The people, (laughs) they're still here for me. They're still going to be there for you. It's going to be good. (laughs) Really? Truly. I feel like one of my roles as a friend is to shit talk people that my friends have broken up with. Well, if you feel like you're annoying your friends, which I definitely do sometimes, but just remember that they inundate you with their lives sometimes too and that's just part of the deal and it genuinely I don't get annoyed when my friends are doing it but I worry that I'm annoying when I'm doing it but really probably if they're good friends no one's annoyed right and even if you are being annoyed with your friends sometimes that's friendship it's fine and I'm a Libra so anytime somebody wants to text me and talk about some other third party like my endorphins are just like (laughs) (laughs) and my pupils dilate so like I'm ready you guys, if you ever yes. want to do that. Yes, always. I think that segue is pretty well into the next question, which is how do you ease back into dating after the end of a long-term committed partnership? Um, and my answer to this is in two words, very carefully. Um, in more than two words, I would say that like sometimes it works out really well when people dive back into dating after ending a serious relationship. Like, I can think of two friends of mine who not didn't start dating each other, but separately started seriously dating somebody again within a couple months of ending a multi-year relationship and are now either married or engaged to that person who may have looked from the outside like a rebound. Um, But I think that's the exception. Um, I think more often than not, a lot of us are not making great choices when we feel as low as we tend to after a really like momentous breakup. Um, So my first piece of advice would be to like really take your time. Don't start dating right away and like probably even wait a little bit before you start looking for hookups, especially if you're somebody who tends to get emotionally attached. Um, When you do go on dating apps, like if that's something that you're going to do, take your time, like allow yourself to feel hopeful about the future, but be really careful about pinning your hopes on any one person or letting any fantasy that you might have of like you're happily ever after getting too far out in advance of your real feelings. Um, After things fall apart in one relationship, I think especially if it was a pretty good one, it's easy to really intensely crave that companionship and then fall into a bad spot and start ignoring red flags. Um, and even if it if you're coming out of a bad relationship, like we talked about earlier, getting into a good one can still be really hard, can be really challenging, and can like push you back into negative patterns of behavior and negative patterns of thought. Um, so I'd say like try consciously to slow yourself down, be really mindful of your feelings, and take care of your long-term needs and not just your short-term cravings. And finally, lean on your friends. Yep. Um, well, you know, hopefully those things were helpful. Um, if I do say so myself, I think we have some level-headed, incredible women giving advice on this show and this hour. Um, mm-hmm. Honestly, this is something that has been really fun for us to do and also seems like there's kind of like an endless plethora of questions from y'all. So, Who knows? Maybe this will kind of turn into a thing that we do every once in a while. Um, But as always, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Season of the Bee. You can give us some money on Patreon. We have a bunch of Patreon exclusive content and that's only going to increase with time. And we would love to have your financial support as well as your support in other ways like rating and reviewing on iTunes like we um, 
shared at the beginning of the episode. Um, and if you have ideas or different things that you think we should talk about, you can always slide into the DMs respectfully or um, email us at seasonofthebee at gmail.com. You know, if uh, if these things worked out for you, you can absolutely credit us. And if they did not work out for you, you didn't hear it from us. It's not liable <laughs> for heartbreak, baby. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, I guess that's all you you uh, you friendly people. You friendly people love you. <laughs> you friendly folks. Friendly fucks. Love you. Bye. Bye. Friendly fucks. Bye, friendly fucks. Bye, friendly fucks only. Bye. 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 Not on the airwaves. We can curse. Bye. Love you. Season of the bitch.